Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Addiction Free Naturally podcast. And today it gives me great pleasure to welcome Lynn McDonald, who is, uh, I'm going to read this bio because it's just so fantastic, I don't want to get it wrong. But um, Lynn is a music industry executive turned life coach and certified hypnotherapist. Uh, she converted from a corporate control freak, her words, into a self-proclaimed spiritual geek. Um, she's actually had a really illustrious uh, career in the um, music industry. And in her words, it was sex, drugs, rock and roll were prevalent. So I'm going to turn over to Lynn now and allow her to introduce herself. And it really is a pleasure to have you on today, Lynn. I really appreciate you coming on for my listeners. Thank you so much, Graham. I'm so um, honored and privileged to be part of your uh, audience and what you're doing for the world with your podcast and your uh, business and helping others free themselves from this addictive behaviors. Um, so for, about me, I, other than what, what Graham just said, yes, I, I spent 30 years in the music industry and um, I felt like after a while, it, I had to like grab a handle on myself. Um, drinking was a pattern that was just part of the lifestyle, you know, is acceptable, if not mandatory behavior. Every day we would have concerts and dinners and parties and activities that were all surrounded. Um, if not the, you know, main focus was alcohol or some kind of partying, you know, like a party. So while it was incredibly fun, like a really fun career, and just so much involved in, in exciting and the, the personalities that I got to work with. But at the core of it all, I didn't feel comfortable with where I was going in that direction of my daily drinking habit. So okay. um, that and was something. When did you notice that? I mean, how long ago did you decide to really address that, that issue? It's funny. I mean, it was a whole life, lifelong Thing, if you think about it, like when you asked me earlier, how did it start? You know, so growing up, um, you know, teenager years, 16, 17 in an Irish Catholic neighborhood. That was just what we did. Oh, I'm going to go out and drink beers on the weekend, whatever. A lot of it was weekend activity all the way through college. And then I moved to L.A. and got in the music business and it turned into every night. because I was going to concerts like every day. So, um it was a long time. I mean, I'm 57 right now. And I just, but, but you only uh, look 30. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I just got um, sober two, two, two plus years ago, just a little over two years ago. It was uh, July of two years ago. It's now August. So, yeah. So it, it took that long. You know, I have kids, I'm a single mom. And the, I think what's something to note is, how do you know when you're over the top? Like I never got to a point where I hit a rock bottom where it was like, Oh my God, I got a DUI. No, um, I couldn't pay my bills. No, I couldn't function in the world. No, like none of those things happen. So there's this gray zone, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I drink wine every day. 
Uh, it happens at a specific time every day, wine o'clock, I called it. <laughs> it. It was something that I just, you know, could not do, could not not do. And in the process, it was like, oh my God, you know, when am, am I, am I an alcoholic? I don't know. You know, I honestly can't sit here and go, am I, am I not? But, it, but it, I, I guess it's personal for everybody, you know? to decide if this is what they think it is for you. So what was, you know? the, what was the real thing that made you decide that you needed to change then, Lynn? Well, it was how I was feeling. Right. You know, when you're like feeling like, like absolute dog do every day, you wake up with a headache, you feel sluggish, you're brain fogged, you don't have energy to deal with yourself. And then the brain battle begins. That was the one that was the most prevalent for me was the brain battle of, okay, I'm not going to drink today. I'm just going to, when five o'clock rolls around, I'm just going to not, not do it. Okay. Then five o'clock, ah, you know, okay. Uh, okay. I'll just have one. And then, uh, and then you roll into two glasses of wine and then, okay. All right pissed at yourself so you just have another one then all right tomorrow tomorrow I'll do better and then you know it rolls into that whole this whole thing it takes up so much energy you're like oh my god well I'll wait till Thursday no I'm only going to drink on the weekends you know I mean it just gets it's incessant and it doesn't stop it's all this energy that when when are you gonna go when's the next time gonna be you know do you you like feel that way for yourself it was like I just I think we lost you for a second there control the brain battle okay you've come oh, back we, it, we lost yeah. you for a second you I were saying control you couldn't the, control the brain battle the brain yeah. battle yeah that was the most frustrating thing ever and how did that make you feel it makes you feel helpless right like you have no control over yourself. So what did you do about it? What steps did you yeah, take, Lynn, that's to, to get out of that fuck? Well, there was what didn't work. I tried a lot of things that didn't work. What, what, which, so what was that? What didn't work for well, you? Moderation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. Moderation doesn't work. Thinking and it's going to be gone. You know, it's like none of that. Moderation doesn't work for me. It for me it didn't. I mean, people can say it does for them, but I don't. I don't believe that. I, yeah, I think so, in general, moder moderation is very, very difficult for people to do because when you're in that zone, when you're just allowing yourself a little bit of what you're trying to give up you're always going to fall back in, aren't you? I mean, I, I, never, I never understood the term. I remember meeting an alcoholic probably 30 years ago when I was in corporate. And I, I remember him saying to me, he was one drink away from being an alcoholic. So he'd, he'd quit for 10 years and he said, I'm just one drink away. And I never understood that. I wasn't an addict at the time of any sort. And I never understood that comment. But that comes back to your moder moderation, doesn't it? You can't. You can't do it. It, it. It's willpower. Yeah. And willpower is finite. 
It's like yeah. a battery. You only have so much in a day and then, and then you lose it. So in, in order for me, it's just a slippery slope. Moderation is a slippery slope. And, and from what I understand, just in all the spaces that I've been in since uh, my sobriety, I, I don't see a, that it works for anyone. And, you know, so that was the one thing. I mean, I quit for nine months when I was pregnant and that was easy. But, but I think it was a whole chemistry thing too. It was like- uh, So what, 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 so you think it was chemistry? Was it deeper than that why it worked for you? You know, I don't know, because when you're pregnant, your whole body like composition changes. And I had no desire, like it was repulsive to me. Right. And it I could think... be like a blessing, you know, that you're just like, eh, you shy away from things that aren't healthy because you know what, that what, and that you're, it's a higher purpose, you know, mm. you're bringing children into the world. So it's not, it was so easy. I you think know? that's because you had a powerful ride. You, you know, you were clear, you know, once you know why you want to do it. And I think that's another reason why I see so many, you know, addicts where they are being told to stop their addictive behaviors by maybe a partner. But until they want to do it for themselves and they know why they want to do it, um, they're not going to do it. So you had that's a why intervention, interventions, I wonder if they work. Just because you you're you're first of all you're you're going to this person and they feel like they're being bullied by everyone around them to change and it's not it, it's kind of like let's talk about an overweight person right it's kind of you don't need everybody around you going you need to lose weight or you're gonna die. We're losing you again here, Lynn, I'm afraid. I'm sure you'll come back in a second. The internet, how we love technology, eh? Well, let's just bear with this for a moment. I'm trusting Lynn's going to reappear at any second. In mid-sentence. We're just right away the time. So what Lynn was saying there was, Obviously, moderation didn't work for her. And that's been my experience um, of watching clients that, you know, they, they find it difficult to reduce their intake, whatever. Oh, we've obviously lost Ling completely now. Um, I hope she can reconnect in a minute. So I'm just going to carry on for a second. They, they have trouble. Clients have trouble moderating, reducing their intake. It's like you've got to do all or nothing. And when you make that decision, when you go all in, when you're 100% committed, when you're 100% responsible, then you actually overcome your addiction, you know, can really eradicate it forever. But when you're trying to, ah, oh, Lynn's back, brilliant. I can't hear you now. Okay. Oh, yeah, I can now. Excellent. Okay, so we were talking about just... Um... Moderation. You were saying uh, that moderation didn't work for you. Yeah, and then we were talking about um, just how uh, intervention, when people are surrounding you, telling you you have a problem, and then how you feel defensive, you know? That, that would be something that um, 
again, the key to all this is compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, what what worked for you? Just going back, you just said what didn't work. So how did you start to get on the path that helped you get sober, clean, whatever term you want to apply yeah, to it? Alcohol. I like to call it alcohol-free. Okay, um, alcohol-free. We've but, all got different terms. And uh, obviously yeah. I'm appealing to any addict here, so I, I always use different terms. I think um, what happened for me was it was like, all right, uh, it's a decision and a line in the sand. I finally said, I am done. Done, done, done. And then I was like, okay, now how am I going to stay on this path and what's going to help me? And I'd heard about hypnosis through a program that you and I did together, uh, TCP, uh, Transformational Coaching Program. We learned about hypnosis. And I thought, you know what? If that's, that's going to be the path. So I sought out a local hypnotist here, worked with him. And then there was an online program for women called the Sober School. So I did six weeks through the Sober School, which was really enlightening. She, her name is Kate B. And it was really enlightening because she also went through TCP, which I didn't know uh, years back or like in the first rounds of when Jim Fortin was um, providing us with that amazing service. And so I felt aligned with it when I just like, you know, you know, when you're Googling, like, how do you, how do you get help or how do you, whatever, it just popped up all the time. And I was like, okay, there's the message from the universe that I need to like, you know, see what she's up to. And what she really addressed was the marketing around alcohol and how it, it's like the norm, you know, it's like socially now, acceptable, isn't it? Yeah, it's everything, you know, even in fitness, there's this stuff called fit vine wine. It's like, oh, you work out and then you drink this wine with less carbs, you know, it's like crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I, just rewinding slightly, I mean, you had even said that when you was in the um, music industry, that it was almost mandatory. It's almost like you was expected to drink. Or, or, yeah. you know, so it's like. With it, you were being conditioned, really. It's like you're, it's not only just socially acceptable, and we've got to remember alcohol is a poison and it's core, but, you, you know, like you, you was almost expected to drink to be part of the group, to be able to progress in your career, so. Um, it's, I mean, let's, um, let's, uh, I was 30 years that I was there. So yeah. in the early years, the 80, the late, 80s into the 90s it was definitely I mean a lot of them have gotten on the sober tip since then and I um not ironically enough but a lot of the the artists that I worked with are now sober right. um but back in the day that was you know part of part of the the lifestyle yeah. like I call it a light it's a lifestyle you know it was a lifestyle it's not um you know and I'm sure that it's part of any kind of business if you think about you know the go even back to mad men that tv show back in the 50s or 60s when they're drinking martinis in the office in the afternoon you know like this the three martini lunch or whatever they were doing and it's funny because when you think that they were all smoking back then too and how smoking now is like this evil like ew you know and, and because the marketing turned to don't this is causes cancer you can't do this 
when alcohol is more poisonous than most things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it was definitely part of the lifestyle for sure. And the crazy thing about drinking is probably when we first had our first drink, many of us probably didn't even like that oh, first drink. But, yeah, but you, it, it's like you, you have to fit in. So you like keep trying, so to speak. So it's like, it's, it's, it's an illusion, isn't it? That, that's the word. The whole thing is an illusion, particularly Agreed. alcohol. Agreed. Agreed. And um, I don't know. So that, so getting back to what helped. So the hypnosis really, really was a life changing. And I think because what you have to do is you, you, you go to the root of the subconscious mind, you know, and you got to get rid of the brain battle in here. And as all as it was, is, you know, what your brain doesn't know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. It just knows that it's something that you do every day and creates this neuropath in your brain to give you an urge to repeat the behavior because it's something that you programmed your brain to do right? So whether it's good or bad, the brain doesn't know, but every habit, good or bad, going to the gym or drinking too much has a purpose, right? It has a purpose. And so the purpose can be, I'm punishing myself for feeling inadequate. I'm protecting myself from feeling out of place or like I don't belong. I'm uh, trying to put prioritize myself. So I'm too, I don't uh, like, I don't want to drive tonight or I don't want to be the one responsible for getting us to and from something. So if I drink, then I I'm out. Right? So let's just clarify something for the listeners, because I know many of them won't get this at this stage. I mean, what you're really saying there is addiction itself is just a symptom, isn't it? Addiction yes. is not the problem. We think it's the problem when we're in it. But as you've just so eloquently put, there's a deeper issue that we don't, it's not readily known to us. We often don't know what that problem is, which is where you used hypnosis to get to the root cause of what the underlying problem of your, your drinking was. Correct. And I think Dr. Gaber Mate has an amazing definition of addiction. Yeah, he, I agree. It says it's not a disease or a human choice but an attempt to escape suffering temporarily heal from trauma versus being um, in the pain. Yeah. And then it just creates more pain. Escape from the pain creates more pain. So not why the addiction, but why the pain? I think that is so good that you brought him up. He's one of my favorites without any doubt. And I think, you know, we're touching on something here that so many addicts haven't heard before. Um, and it's, it's, I won't say it's contentious. I mean, it, I very much believe in everything you've just said. I mean, that's really what helped set me free. But I think the majority of addicts, the only thing they've really heard is the 12 steps. And, you know, the 12 steps is great. You know, we've all got to do what is right for us individually. But you know, Dr. Gabba Mate gives you an alternate, doesn't he? he? He is very much saying it's about the human suffering as opposed to it being a disease where there's no, no hope. 
Yes. Um, I don't want to undermine anyone who has chemical conditions that cause the disease, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, my personal belief is the underlying core to any of these behaviors, addictive behaviors, whether it can be, you know, social media, it's in escape, it's escaping something at the core. Yeah. That's the root of the problem to begin with. And typically it's feeling inadequate. It could be a trauma, a release from a trauma in a child in childhood that you experienced, you know, a lot of pain and suffering in any kind of childhood traumas. And um Oprah's latest book that she did with a, a psychologist, I forget his name, but it was, um, it wasn't, it's not, it's what happened to you. Not why do you do this? Yeah. But what yeah. happens? What happened to you? I think we're still caught up in your society in those stereotypical definitions of addiction, aren't we? We sort of see it's almost like the drug addict in some alley injecting something into him. It's like that's almost a stereo typical norm we've got for addicts but that's not that's not the case and you used the word compassion earlier you know not only does the addict need to be more compassionate to themselves but as a society we need to look at um, addiction differently yeah when you think about what happens to an addict they get punished Mm. they get put they get put in jail so now they're isolated Right. And isolation causes addiction to begin with. We know about that rat pack experiment where you had one rat in his little heroin water by himself. Yeah. And he drank it till he died. Then the other rat park where there are like games and all kinds of little rats. Nobody touched the heroin. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I spoke about that in actually my opening episode because that was. I was given a quick summary of my story and it was like finding out about Rat Park and about the Vietnam War where actually 90% of Vietnam soldiers were addicted at the time. They come back and, you know, America thought they was all going to be drug addicts and within a short period of time, 90% had come off because it was all to do with the environment, which, as you adequately said, is the Rat Park um, experiment. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, why, why do you think AA works? It's a community of support, right? Um, so when you have people that are supportive of you, instead of, um, you know, isolating you, condemning you, pushing you away, saying, you, you know, you can't get a handle on your stuff. It's more about what can we provide for this these people in order for them to get out of the addiction. And the key element, in my personal opinion, is the hypnosis. Because if you're like, say you're gardening your garden, you got to pull the weeds from the root or they're just going to keep popping back up again. So go into the root cause, you know, and it can be anything. It could have been, like I said, you know, going back, re, uh, regressing them back to where did they think the addiction started? And it's typically uh, feeling like inadequate in some way. You know, it's just an external ad- adaptation to compensate 
for feeling inadequate. You know, it's like, I'm going to, you can either go one way or the other. You can go, I'm going to, you know, on the low end of the energy, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're doing, you know, you're doing things to make yourself feel bad or on the high end of the energy, which again is, is workaholism, perfectionism. I've been you know. there. <laughs> yeah. So it's more the sweet spot is in the middle. Yeah. From here in the heart, you know, and learning about yourself and peeling back the layers that you've been numbing yourself from. And it's a feeling the feelings. And sometimes I wonder if feeling those feelings is worse than how you feel in the addiction. Yes, I think in many ways you've summed up why many addicts never get sober. Because, you know, you could argue getting sober to start with is the easy thing, but staying sober is the most difficult thing. And they're dealing with the sort of damage that they've caused before the addiction. So they go back into the addiction because that's the easy route. Yeah. So hypnosis was your key, was your key magic solution. Magic solution. Because when you get to the root cause, it's like, then you change the way you you view it, right? Mm. You're like, oh, now it's so understandable now. I go, oh, right. That's why I did this. Okay. So you're, you're, you're understanding you see why you did it. And then you go, why am I going to like make myself like if I had no judgment about my drinking, right? If I had no judgment about it, if I didn't say it was bad, how would I feel? Relieved. How do you feel when you don't drink? Relieved. Right? So when you feel good, because you, I, I felt like I was like, oh my God, yay. This is so amazing. And now I want to share it with everybody. So I got certified to do it. And that's like the key. It's like, once you get, once you get that brain battle, uh, you know, a handle on the brain battle and eliminate the bad habit dialogue in your brain by using the hypnosis. And then, you know, saying that, you know, this is my brain just telling me this. And once the urge goes away, like a couple days later, seriously, then I was like, Oh, then it's like, what do I do? What do I do at five o'clock? And it can happen that quickly. I mean, you said the urges can disappear after a couple of days. I mean, I think, you know, that we need to stress that. That is one of the powers of hypnosis as a strategy in addiction recovery. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just it. It's the urge every day that causes you to, to continue the behavior because the brain is just telling you to do what you taught it to do. Now we're re reteaching it. And it really, it, it, it does your, like your mind tells it does what you tell it to do. So when you shift the, the, the conversation or you shift the pattern or you shift the mindset, then you're like, oh, okay. It's just my brain telling me, this is my alarm going off. It's really not me at the core. It's just my brain. I trained my brain to do this. Not me. I mean, it's my brain, not me, not the, the, the self, the me underneath the core of me, you know, my source. So it's just a habit that I've created and I'm the one who created the habit. So I'm going to create a new habit, mm. you know? That's wonderful. So, you know, so let, let me just clarify again. You literally, how, how long did it take you to literally 
eradicate the drinking from your life, Lynn? Well, I decided on July the 9th that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I honestly feel like I had a week of bad days where I was just, you know, the, did the hypnosis a couple times with my, my, my guy, Kevin here. And then I was like, all right, so I know what the thing is. Now I just have to train the brain. And then at, after like a week, I was like, okay. I, I don't feel like this anymore. I don't want this anymore. And honestly, since then, and, and you have to understand, I was in like wine clubs and I, I like wine was my thing, you know, it was my identity as a human. I'm like a wine person, you know, that sip and swirl. That was me. You know, I loved high-end wine. I was into like, oh, how's this pair with this food and all that, which is lovely. And it was fun. But that was like who I thought I was. That was my identity as yeah. like this wine connoisseur person. And can, then can, when I... What, what don't you tell, um, tell the audience about our subconscious identity? Because, you know, that was sum it up. There's a brilliant quote uh, by uh, Maxwell Moult, which is, you will never outperform your self, self-image, he says, which Correct. is the identity. But I'd love the audience to hear your, you know, your explanation, because I think when they hear this, they will fully understand why they need to do something deeper than willpower or, you know, the methods that they've tried and haven't worked and why hypnosis can be so very powerful. Yeah. When you think about your identity, you know, it's, it's who you are. Right. So when you identify, you know, I'm a fit person, I'm a healthy person, then you're then you then curate behaviors and beliefs that align with that identity. And then when you be when you're, you know, a wine connoisseur, that's my identity, you know. And so. It's kind of like I like to equate it as a vegan vegetarian, right? If you're vegan, you choose, it's a choice. I chose now that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to not eat meat because of a core belief that, you know, I love animals. I have this, you know, these are beliefs and beliefs are just thoughts you continue to think. Then you create a belief Then you create patterns around the belief. Then you create the identity. So I'm identified as a one or back to the vegan. A vegan doesn't wake up every day, any day of the week and go, I wonder when I'm going to have a hamburger. It just doesn't cross their mind. That never comes to their mind. Just like me, I've never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. I don't wake up going, I wonder when I'm going to have a cigarette today. You just don't think about it anymore. So when you have the identity as a person that does the said behavior at the core by creating a belief through thoughts continuing to think over and over and over and over again. I love wine. Wine's my thing. This is it. I'm a wino. Da, 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 da. And then my brain now says, this is what you do. Then you, you conditioned your brain to say every day, here's a pattern. You got, oh, this is when you normally have a glass of wine. So I'm going to tell you, we give you the urge to do it. And then you do the behavior. And then, you know, so it's the identity of me. Now, when you go into the hypnotic state and you, reprogram that subconscious and say, I have chosen not to do this. This is not who I am anymore. Then when you come out of it, 
it there's that despairing you know there's the that synapse where you're like i used to do this but now i don't want to and so then i then now i don't you know it's just something that i, I don't even think about wine anymore honestly and that's like because all, you changed it at your subconscious level, your self-identity level. Yeah, I yeah. don't identify myself as a person that does that behavior anymore. And uh, when you don't have the identity, you don't you don't even think about the behavior. Like I said, I would never think about smoking or a vegan would never think about eating a burger. It so that's a distinction. And then if I'm understanding you right for the audience, that's a distinction by when you're doing something through say hypnosis you're changing the subconscious and you therefore that becomes permanent whereas if you're just trying to do it by willpower to give up drinking or give up smoking that's not going to last because as you said your willpower is finite like a battery and you know you might do it for two days and you get to wednesday you think "Mm, i just have that quick glass of white wine It's crazy. And, and I mean, I'm fascinated by all of it. And I, and I like, I am so um, compassionate for people who can like, you know, can't seem to figure it out. You know, I, I feel, I feel for them. And, and I know that the other side is so beautiful and easy and, and joyful, you know, and it just changes everything, but to not have it. And it is, it's that, it's that I'm not that person anymore. So I don't identify with the behavior, but if you continue to identify with that, I am that person, but can't do the behavior, then you have that resistance in the middle all the time, you know? I mean, that's why addiction is so painful, isn't it? It's like, you know, you're you're back. You're trying to do it by willpower. You're battening. It's like batting, batting your head against the wall. You know, nothing's going to change. It's like Einstein said. You know, um, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And you know, I yeah. battled with my addiction for years, and then I tried something completely different, which was around hypnotherapy, which is you know how we both gel because we're both hypnotherapists. So yeah, yeah. And- and, you know, in getting back to like, how do you reprogram the subconscious mind? Well, you have to be willing to um, kind of face the monster in a way, you know, you have to be willing to go, all right, it started here. And then, and typically it, it's frozen in time. Well, let's just say it happened, you know, when, whatever, let, you can name any part of someone's life, you know, oh, I had this traumatic experience and I don't want to live that again. So I'm going to, I'm going to disassociate myself with that experience. And I'm going to numb myself through this, through this addiction, because I don't want to go back. But when you go back and you reparent that child or whoever that younger version of yourself was, that's frozen in this time and go back with compassion through the help of a hypnotist and a therapist, however you choose to like, choose to you know to address it but it needs to be addressed in a such a compassionate loving way and then when you say to yourself that's just the person that fearful younger you know version of myself 
that if I love her and have compassion for her now, and I see that she just did the best she could, then I go, wow, you know, I have it's, such love, love you're for like, her. You're effectively like forgiving that person subconsciously in many ways, aren't you? Yeah, you're forgiving the version of yourself that created the pattern. Mm. And, and, you know, and it's all created for safety. If you look at it that way, all this rudimentary continuing uh, addictive behaviors that are, you know, at the core, not good for you, you know, destructive, uh, you know, painful. Um, but if you look at it at the core is all you're trying to do is be safe with yourself from trying from like addressing something you find larger more scary than the addiction itself, which I ultimately believe is not true. I believe that once you, once you can, through guided help, address that and you see, oh my God, I've created so much more damage to myself with the addictive behavior than I did with addressing the issue at the core. No, I see and, and a lot of people don't know what it is because they don't want to. They don't want to know. Why do you think that is? It's because it's scary. It's scary. You know, it's, it's hurtful. You can feel it, it, there, it's the lowest vibration of feelings. Blame, shame, um, guilt. Like any anger, any of those things that are on such low vibrations, they don't, they don't want to go there. So instead, I'm going to numb myself to the feeling that and I'm going to feel worse. Isn't it kind of crazy when you think about it? Absolutely, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I just found it to be such a cathartic experience and delightful honestly it was so fast it's very fascinating to the degree that i just like i could talk about it all day i just love it me too i mean i, I on the one side i mean as much as well i mean addiction has caused me an immense amount of damage in my life i've lost so much but it's also been a blessing because i've learned so much about myself and you use the word cathartic it's like it is cathartic when you start coming through it and you know, repairing and uncovering all what's happened in the past. It is fascinating. And if only we all learn to use our minds, <clears throat> we, we've got so much more about us, you know, we can really step into our power, can't we? hundred percent. And the key, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, self-love. And I, I believe at the core, it's all about feeling inadequate in some way, shape or form because of something that may have happened to you or how you perceived it to happen to you. Like, you know, mine isn't anything traumatic. You know, I didn't like go, Oh, you know, I wasn't physically or sexually abused or any of those kind of things. But well, trauma traumatic is also, um, it doesn't need to be anything. <clears throat> it doesn't need to be anything major, does it? Because oh. someone, you know, I was a, like a shy soul. So it's like, Therefore, being much more sensitive, it's like it doesn't need to be a massive issue that has caused that trauma. I mean, one of my clients, uh, a porn addict, when we went into regression, what caused his 
porn addiction was he was shouted at by a teacher when he was four years old. He kissed a girl as a four-year-old in like kindergarten or whatever it's called. And if you saw a picture of two four-year-olds kissing, you'd say, how cute. But because this teacher shouted at him, he took that on as a four-year-old as doing something really bad. And that affected his ability to create relationships with females growing up. So he turned to porn. So it was like one event. And it wasn't it like, you know, as you said, it wasn't massively traumatic. But for him, it obviously was traumatic. So it depends on, you know, the sensitivity of individuals. Great. It's a relative to, you're right. It's absolutely relative to their model of reality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and um, just to, I wanted to go back to what you said about regression, just in case your audience isn't familiar with it. It's when you are in hypnosis and going, you, you revert back to like, okay, you know, kind of peeling away onions again. It's what, you know, what, what age were you and what was the incident where you believe that is the root, again, the root, pulling the root out of where it all started. So four years old, think about it. And how old is this guy now? He's been reliving this for most of his life. You know, it can be anything. It can be something a parent said, a teacher said. It can be just one bad experience with a date or with a feeling, you know, or being ostracized or bullied or any, like any things that are just normal. It, come, it comes down to the intensity of that particular event, doesn't it? It's like, yes. um, you know, this, this guy, he's 26 now. So it's like we're going back 22 years. He's a four-year-old. But because, like, he was shouted at, you know, by a, a person of authority, a teacher, kindergarten teacher, it's like he made that out to be bigger than it was in reality. But obviously, as a child... He, he was going to do that or he didn't have the obviously at four years old you don't have the mental capabilities to mean it as anything other than you do at the time um right think about it think about the per like how would you shout at a four-year-old no like you said you think it's cute right yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, you see so many pictures of cute four-year-olds kissing. You know, they don't know what they're doing. But, of course not. You know, anyway. Yeah, again, perception, your model of what you think is good and bad. You know, I mean, I'm connected with addiction. One of the things that I've really got out of being a hypnotherapist myself is it's like, I'm glad I had my children all those years ago because... I realise the responsibility that parents have and how you talk to your children now. Um, and you notice how parents do talk to their children. I mean, I remember um, an incident not that long ago where this mother was like telling her, the, the little boy was reading something off a poster and the mother said, you're really not very good at, you know, you're not very good at reading, are you, Tommy? Or whatever his name was. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh, my God, you're programming this poor boy. And I'm guessing he was about eight. And they're saying you're not very good at reading. It's like the responsibility on a parent is massive. And, um, yes. yeah, I'm glad I've done that bit because when I look back, I, it, it, it worries me the damage that I would 
have maybe caused my own children. You know, we've all done the best job we can, but I think the point yeah. is the words, in fact, what my what my um, mentor said to me, Marissa Peer, the words that we say to ourselves and the pictures we paint in our head are going to create our reality. And that is obviously true of when we're talking to our young children growing up, you know, the pictures and the words that we say to them are creating their reality. So that's a massive responsibility being a parent. It is. And, and I'm a parent later in life. I had my twins at 44. So, and I've been on a path of, you know, personal growth and consciousness and everything. And I still feel like I jack things up every day. I feel like, Oh God, what did, what did I do now? And how's that going? <laughs> how's that going to like taint them, you know, and their reality of what they think. But again, we also have free will and we were all here on, put on the planet for our own personal journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So I do believe um, that they chose me to be their mother for all of us to learn from one another. So hopefully. I do a good job. I believe you do. I believe you're I, you a good know, mother. <laughs> again, you do your best with what you know. At Absolutely. Absolutely. When you know better, you do better. Yeah, I mean, hindsight is wonderful, isn't it? You know, it's like, if you could go back in time with what you know now, but we can only go forward. We only have now and forward. Yes. So true, it, true. A, a question for you, because we're coming up to the hour. Um, yeah. If you could have done anything differently in your recovery let's call it addiction recovery because that's a, the, the general term people use before you found hypnosis hypnosis has been your savior but if you could have done anything before that is there anything you would have done differently to maybe have speeded up getting there to get into that point where you you took it seriously and found in your case hypnosis you know like they say everything happens in divine timing so I guess this was my divine time to figure it out. Um, but I would have preferred to have figured it out sooner than later, <laughs> like <laughs> 20 years ago <laughs> instead of now, <laughs> you know. But again, we're on a journey. But in, you know, in, in hindsight, I wish I would have done it 20 years ago, but I guess I wasn't ready. I wasn't yeah. ready to learn the lesson. Yeah, no, so. yeah, 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 yeah. So it happens in divine time, you know? Yeah. And divine time was two years ago for me. So. And, uh, you know, the blessing, it, it inspired you to become a hypnotherapist as well. So now yeah. there's a ripple effect because you're helping, you know, you're helping other people. You, you learned a great skill, which, you know, you got you out of your addiction, but now you're helping other people on, you know, multitudes of issues. So that's a blessing. I agree. I agree. It's just a, a very um, purposeful way of living now. It's per it's feels so, it feels purposeful. And, you know, we're here, we're all here on the planet to be happy and to help each other. And I feel like there's always somebody, you know, it's that whole, I have the perfectionism thing too. Like, oh my God, am I skilled enough? Am I going to, did I, you know, do I know enough? How am I going to you know, help this person? But there's always somebody a few steps behind you and who needs you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautifully put. Is there any last words you'd like to leave the audience to put them to think on? Well, uh, well, 
first, I'm super grateful for the opportunity, Bram, and, and it's such a blessing to know you, you know. Uh, we, and seriously, it's been an honor having you on here. I can tell. We clearly, that. we clearly are uh, meant to know each other, you know, on opposite sides of the world. And um, I, I just think, you know, I would love to help whoever is open enough to, to, to do it. You have to be open and you have to be willing. Absolutely. You've got and to I do think it. that's really important that if you're open and willing to try something new and different, that might not be what everybody around you thinks is the way to do it. They're not living your life. So you have to do it for you. And I think that this um, platform, hypnosis, this modality of, you know, help and support is, is life-changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lynn, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm going to put Lynn's details below so you can reach out to Lynn if you'd like to contact her for any of our hypnotherapy services she's a, an absolutely wonderful hypnotherapist so please do that it's been an honor having you on here today thank you so much indeed i know thank the you, audience Graham. would have loved you you're you're a superstar and it's My been pleasure. a pleasure to share your experience I'd love to have you back in the future because there's so much more we could talk about. Oh, my God. We, we can we go need... down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to keep it condensed. But thank you so yeah. much indeed. I really thank do you, appreciate it. So okay. hang on there because I will catch you in a second. But for, for the audience, um, please, you can see Lynn's uh, details below and I will catch you on the next episode. Have a great day wherever you are in the world. But absolutely no that you can overcome addiction naturally, um, as indeed Lynn has just testified today. So don't give up hope because you can absolutely eradicate addiction from your life permanently. Have a great day wherever you are in the world.